I'm Brittany Hardin-Tangway, a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. Okay. I am happy to have with me here today Enrique Martin, a principal from KPMG US, our global lead of insurance transfer pricing and the United States national leader for transfer pricing financial services. Hello. I'm very thrilled to be here. (laughs) And we also have Robin Archer, a director with KPMG UK and our UK lead of insurance transfer pricing. Equally pleased to be here. (laughs) And I love that we're talking about insurance and transfer pricing because one of our three favorite words in transfer pricing is functions, assets, and risks. So with insurance being a more niche aspect of the financial services that we look at for transfer pricing, would you give me an overview of the insurance industry and how we ought to be thinking about this? The key difference to bear in mind when we think about functions, assets, and risks is that we will be dealing with an industry that deals in risk. The insurer goes out to the market and looks for people who want to cover uncertain outcome. And the insurance company on an individual basis goes out to these customers and say, don't you worry, if you pay me this amount, if something happens to your car, your house, your life, we will pay a certain amount. And from there, the insurance company needs to figure out how to make a viable long-term business. So the functions, assets, and risk are very, very different from any other industry, even segments within the financial services industry. It is all about capital, being able to show that you have the wherewithal to pay out if something happens. It's all about a very specific set of skills that the people working in insurance have. And it's all about the basics of the insurance business, which is diversification, being able to pool risks from many different places so that on a combined basis, you have enough money to pay out. Robin, you worked in-house in an insurance company practicing transfer pricing for a number of years. I'm curious on your perspective. Yeah, insurance is a noble calling because we are there to make people's bad days less bad. And I know it sounds like a shallow comment, but my experience in-house was it's genuinely how people feel. We are there to make sure that if something bad happens, we can make it smoother. And yeah, we're in there to make a profit. And that means that we have to make sure we only take on the risks that we should be taking on and that we price them accurately, and that when we pay out claims, we make sure we're paying out the right claims for the right amounts. But ultimately, we're there to help people. And as far as it goes, it can be highly technical. Going back to the functions, assets, risks point, you have people who are in the actuarial space who do some very high-level maths, trying to work out the impossible, like the likelihood of all these different unique one-off events happening and the interaction of these different one-off events happening. And that's one extreme of the insurance space. Another extreme, you've got some very practical people. You've got the underwriters who are facing off against brokers, who deal with real-life situations of, is this a risk I can accept? And then you've got the really hands-on element of it, where an insurer is actually making a deal with a chain of garages, trying to arrange that when people's cars are damaged, they can take them in and get them repaired, or claims adjusters that will be going into houses. It's an incredibly broad space insurance, from the arch-technical to the deeply practical, the highly commercial to... To be honest, a very structured view of something on the regulatory space. And going back to the start of your question, we really are there to make people's bad days less bad. I think that's really heartening. And something you said, actually, Enrique, about diversification is that managing risk and diversification seems to be the central part of this. <laughs> you expect there to be bad days, but not everybody's going to have a bad day every day. 
insurance is all about rolling dice. The trick of the insurer is to pull all of those dice. And once you roll a thousand dice, the dice tend much more towards the mean. It's much more predictable. So therefore, you can manage the payouts to individual policyholders. And the other art of insurance is making sure that when you decide to take their risks off other people's hands, you know what you're taking. That's an important skill of the insurer, making sure that they understand the risks they're taking on, they can manage them. That's also how the insurer then manages to decide which risks to offlay. The other thing too, there is the insurer to customer interaction. There is the insurer to the rest of the market interaction to the reinsurers, but then there is the regulatory overlay. And there is regulation for many good reasons. One part of those reasons are around customer protection, making sure that if something happens to the insurance company, and they hadn't set enough money aside in that specific risk, the regulator is there to say, well, actually, just in case, we want you to hold a bit more money than what your models are saying. Set that money aside just in case something happens. Um, when people have a problem with my house, insurance doesn't disappear and leaves people with unpaid claims. There is also the slightly higher level of regulation. The insurers are a key player in financial markets. Over time, they take on a lot of people's money through life insurance, longer term insurance planning. They are a huge player in the asset management space as well. They can move financial markets with some of their operations. They are a key player that regulators are very interested in making sure that they're stable and that they contribute to the market stability. And that all plays into how we think about the key functions and where the assets should be held and taxed from a transfer pricing perspective. And that's why one of the UK's relatively recent initiatives was looking to give insurers more flexibility over where they invest, because up until very recently, it was very restricted. Basically, policyholders need to know that their money's been invested safely. And the UK government was just trying to unlock some of that investment potential that Enrique's talking about. Something that is particularly interesting is reinsurance. That seems to be where most of the transfer pricing activity might happen because you are talking about reinsurance and crossing borders. It's fair to say that that's where some of the biggest flows happen. It's also fair to say that it is just an extension of the business. As we were saying, customers have some risks. They want to insure them. The insurer takes them on. Through the life cycle of those risks, the insurer may at different times decide that they want to offload some of that risk for a variety of reasons. That could be pure capital management. They want to free up capital in that jurisdiction. And one good way of doing that is pulling the risks from that jurisdiction with the risks of other jurisdictions in one central place where the reinsurance contract is held. The way in which the reinsurance is structured is also very relevant for for transfer pricing. But it also means that it may make one of the transfer pricing questions relatively easy to answer because the reinsurance can happen in a way where essentially you pass a certain percentage of the risk. It is priced effectively in exactly the same way you price it with your customers. The transfer pricing question then becomes more around have you compensated the entity that originated the insurance sufficiently for that origination activity rather than pricing the risk itself because the risk was priced at the beginning. It is very much an integral part of the industry. It allows the industry to manage the risks better. It's fair to say that it is quite often given a bad reputation by tax authorities, assuming that it is a transaction that's only there for tax purposes. I think it's equally fair to say that the truth couldn't be further from that because it is generally there for business purposes. I would say high volume, therefore potentially risky transaction from a transfer pricing perspective but generally with a very good fact pattern behind the commercial rationale of putting this transaction in place and people who are working on pricing this transaction, 
that can give us very good data to show that actually the transaction has been priced in a reasonable manner. It's more a case of good documentation because we should be able to explain why the transaction is in place, how it has been priced, and how each party to that transaction has been compensated. If I could summarize, we're talking about some complicated transactions, and because of the high volume of them, they're going to automatically attract attention from tax authorities. But tax authorities are not insurance experts. So in order for them to understand and to get comfortable with these high volume transaction flows that from their perspective, they may see as being purely for tax purposes, having great documentation and being able to explain that there is a true business impetus for why the transactions look this way. The other thing that's important to remember, and this is a key difference between transactions outside of the insurance world and transactions around reinsurance, is that when we think about normal transactions that tax authorities may see as base shifting in other industries, when we think about, say, a service payment, a royalty payment, those are annual payments that generally have a service provision around them. So company A pays a royalty to company B for the use of the IP. It's for the use of the IP in that year. You pay $100. That doesn't give you any rights to the IP in year two. You have to pay again in year two. That's $100 that has moved from one country to the other. When we think about reinsurance, you enter into a new insurance contract So yes, there is a movement of revenue from one entity to the other, but that's not the end of the story. That premium could be for coverage for many years to come. That premium could be for coverage for one year. But if the events that are covered by that insurance contract do materialize, the insurance company gets compensated by the reinsurer. So we're not talking about $100 changing hands from company A to company B, and that's the end of it. If the risk does materialize, company B will then have to pay back to company A whatever coverage was covered, whatever the claim was. That's a very important part of the story that sometimes in discussions with tax authorities gets forgotten. So that is one key difference. Would you have paid for this? And obviously the answer is very different if the risk comes along, because if the risk comes along and company B pays, then all of a sudden company A makes a profit that they wouldn't have made without the reinsurance, that tax authority will say, oh yes, of course you would have. The other thing is insurance is all about pooling risks. Reinsurance is a way to further pool risks. There's no way in which reinsurance doesn't make sense as that natural evolution of insurance. And yes, it's a very easy way to move an awful lot of profit, but that's because it's a very easy way to move an awful lot of risk too. And just as Enrique says, those risks when they materialize could be big, bad and painful. And I've been in more than one meeting with the tax authority. We use the same old analogy of them saying, well, look, you paid for all of this reinsurance and nothing happened. So obviously it's something dodgy is going on. And we said, well, are you paying car insurance? Are you paying house insurance? Did you make a claim last year? And it's the same thing. But do you do insurance with a view to a profit yourself when you insure your car? Are you paying out your insurance premium if you're in the expectation that you're going to make more money back? You're not. You're taking risk out of your life and you're paying a certain amount to take risk out of your life. It's often the same with insurance companies. They don't want the highly volatile, unpredictable, terrible, awful thing to happen any more than you do. And so quite often an insurance company will say, I don't want this risk. The next huge earthquake, I want to limit my risk and I'm prepared to pay a premium. I'm prepared to give up a little bit of profit now for certainty that I won't have a much bigger hit to my profit later on. And that is a very basic principle behind insurance and it plays through to reinsurance as well. That's a very fundamental part of transfer pricing. First thing you learn is Functions performed, assets owned, and risks borne. 
And which entity is taking on risk is a key part of the analysis about allocation of marginal profits or losses. It doesn't really help that two insurance risks are never the same. However similar you think, they are always different. And that's an example of UK and Germany. You could be insuring exactly the same value of property, and it could be the same sort of houses, everything. But the UK is more prone to storm risk, whereas Germany is more prone to flood risk. So even though on the face of it, they are the same, the reality is they are not the same. And that is another complexity you have to manage. That Every time you do a reinsurance, you're in reinsuring something different. And that has to be accommodated. This brings up a flood of questions for me. So Enrique, because there's a lack of consistency, if you're preparing a global doc project for an insurance company, you wouldn't be relying on consistent, similar transactions year over year. You're not wrong. Obviously, when working with our clients, we want to be as efficient as we can where we can. But there is an element of variability on how certain things are done that makes it a bit harder for insurance. And the reinsurance comes in many different forms. And one year, there may be one reinsurance contract in place that is not there the following year because the company had enough capital. So they decided, actually, I'm happy with my level of diversification. And that reinsurance may come into play the following year again. I would say that there's a core of the fact pattern, the transactions, the people function, where the capital is held, that it remains fairly stable. But there is always a percentage of things that move around, both in terms of different risks. So there is definitely an element of variability year on year, but a lot of the fundamentals remain the same. What I'm curious about, ESG, environmental, social governance, seems to be such a focus for so many companies across industries. And it seems to me like the insurance industry is at the center of these things. How does ESG affect the insurance industry? That is a huge question. There are lots of colleagues still in the industry who are getting a little bit weary of the next one in a hundred year event, because historically you say some very bad things happen very, very rarely. But the reality is we're getting a lot of one in a hundred year events happening now, almost every couple of years. Things are changing very dramatically and it's making it much more difficult to predict how things are going to develop. People are going to have to pay more insurance and we have to be a little bit more particular about how we insure properties. So, for example, in the UK, there's more thoughts about how you can build green spaces that absorb flooding and that will make places more resilient. Insurance modelling, exposure modelling, doesn't always have that level of granularity right now. And so there's this need for more data to understand there is a more risky world, more extreme weather events are likely to happen. And we need to understand more about a particular risk pattern to be able to accommodate that. The role the industry is playing in the ESG developments, it's also a natural conclusion of that. It is the insurance industry, at least within the financial services world, that has been at the forefront of some of the discussions because they have been also at the receiving end of the impact directly or indirectly. This concept of one in a hundred year event, it's sadly becoming twice in a decade events that have an impact on people and on the PNL of the insurance companies. Thinking about the impact of ESG on the insurance industry, but the transfer pricing within that more specifically, it seems the modeling. That's an important function. And if you get it right or come up with something that becomes the industry standard from a transfer pricing perspective, making sure that the people are where they need to be and that those respective entities where those individuals work are being compensated as such is probably fair. You're right. That is where data is becoming more important. You work out whether events likely to happen, how bad it's likely to happen. There are two ways, experience and exposure. Experience is looking at the past. The other method is exposure, and exposure is trying to model using some statistics what might happen going forward. In the stable world, experience 
is really helpful because it's readily available. It doesn't require any adjustments. You can use that to build a really good expectation of what your position might be. In a changing world, experienced data is less valuable in the exposure modeling space. That means two things. The more data, the better, because you can't just use simple stuff. That's experienced territory. But also whether it's algorithms, AI, machine learning, that stuff becomes much more valuable. You need more data and you need more functionality to leverage that data to really understand your risk environment. And that's how the industry is responding and changing. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of get stuck in the middle of it. And like we were saying at the beginning, it's kind of a roll of the dice. What's going to come up? Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? It's an exciting time to be an insurance transfer pricing. There are changes in the air. And every single one of them, you can find one way or another feeds through to a transfer pricing consequence. I agree. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you both for your time today and stay safe. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time.